Hello, welcome back to Take Note. We are your co-hosts, Adrian Fry and myself, Taylor Reese King. And today we are going to be bringing on a special guest from uh, Boise, uh, Boise State University. He just graduated with a BM in music education. And now he is the band director at my old high school for a high school. Well, obviously high school, because I've said high school like eight times. So anyway, right, right. welcome uh, Mr. Matt Clay. Hello. It's good Hi. to be here. Yeah, we should have we should have a like a sound uh, overdubs, like a round of applause and like right on and all nah, of that stuff. That would be nah. so funny. No, I'm kidding. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm really I'm really disappointed that I didn't yeah, we have should do a that. warm welcome. Soundboard. <laughs> oh my god. We'll get a studio audience for your next podcast, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like the um it's the um the virtual audience for uh, the football team, except for on here. It's a Right, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, remember in uh, so for the football game, they uh, uh, my I wasn't really watching, but my parents were, and I was walking by, and I was like, I hear an audience. I also hear the band, but mm. the thing is, there is no audience, and there is no band. Yeah, they, the they pumped they pumped fake uh fake audience sounds through the speakers into the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that is so sad. Like I don't know, it was just it was just like really, really it's sad armageddon kind of vibes you know you know what's Just even like... more sad hmm. adrian you know what's more sad what? um joe like refused to record any of the percussion shorts um because that basically would completely make blue thunder useless right if they recorded right. stuff over it because they then wouldn't need to be there so hmm. um they gave them the fight song but they um went online and basically took public domain percussion shorts for them to use and use that instead of blue Thun i don't know i find that really oh sad oh gosh yeah I well know. it just shows how yeah. important we are yep. yeah it's like we're just replaced by an audio clips like god <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah so matt you were in a blue thunder symphonic winds um yep. for several years blue thunder and symphonic winds for several years you played tenor uh tenors not tenor, because tenor sax. Um, you played tenors and basically all the orchestral percussion you possibly could. Correct. Um, yeah. So you um, you also write uh, percussion. I remember you talked about um, writing, I think, was it for Centennial last year? Yeah, so um, I started that two years ago, and this year ended up being the third year I wrote their, their battery percussion for their show. That's yeah. odd, because... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're the band director of Bora. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, they gave okay. me money and exchange for fair. for music, and I said that sounds great. <laughs> All right, um, thank you. Are you going to do that in future years? You know, it it honestly was a really nice thing to do during the summer. Yeah. As a teacher, you get the summer off. Why not make mm -hmm. some extra cash? You know, writing some music. You know, I'm just making exactly. fun of the comp competitive uh, part of it. It's like, are you gonna? Yeah. Well, and you know, I felt them. I felt better about it this year, considering considering no, my no marching band got completely yeah. canceled. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I guess there's no competition to it. Uh, but we'll see mm -hmm. in the future years how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, and also depends on how. Oh God, what's her name? Uh, I know Brittany. Her name. Brittany uh, Brings. Brings. Thank you, Brittany yes. Brings. How she uh, feels about having her competitor 
um, <laughs> compose her own music. That'd be funny. Well, just know that if I continue to write her music, I'll definitely write mine a little better on purpose. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Wink, wink. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Love it. The judges' um, comments are like, the battery parts are kind of off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong. <laughs> you, like, write it in such a way that they, it just, like, confuses them. It's like, what? Yeah. Just going on. <laughs> She's like, it's a little complicated. I'm like, no, they can handle it. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Yeah. No, I won't. I won't make any changes. Oh, it's that's like funny. Several polyrhythms, <laughs> several layers of polyrhythms. Oh yeah. No, they can have handle seen... a seven on nine. They can do that. Oh, have you seen mm. the uh, seven over eleven at a seven eleven for at seven seven uh, eleven p.m. on July eleventh for seven minutes and eleven seconds? Have you seen that? No, but I hate that you just said it. It's a seven minute and 11 second long YouTube video. I'm just like, I hate it so much, but I didn't watch all of it, but I was like, oh my God, literally seven in the right hand, 11 in the left hand. And it was, I hated it. I hated it so much. Yeah, but I hate that a lot. Anyway. Oh, that sounds complicated. <laughs> I it sounds like a whole lot of stuff I don't want to get into. Anyway. Yeah, polyrhythms are interesting. And one thing that's I find really cool about them is that you can use them for metric modulation. I was actually just mm -hmm. talking to uh, my, my student about that, um, about how to like get from one place to another. And what I work with them on is uh, like the one triplet, two triplet, one triplet, two triplet, one, two, three, four, 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 like feeling uh, all of that. And that's actually used quite a lot in battery percussion from what I've heard. Is that uh, accurate? Yeah, especially, I mean, when you got a whole, you know, high school marching band and man, some of these kids are, are good compared to others. Mm -hmm. You know, you have mm -hmm. such a wide range. It really helps to have, um, you know, when you have a tempo change or when you have a meter change to have, mm -hmm. to have that happen a lot smoother in the battery helps the, the rest of the band that definitely wouldn't be able to handle it on their own. So, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, it's a it's a cool technique. Um, and I mean, we're now diving right into the composition side of battery and we uh, I didn't even intend to go that um, just yet. But yeah, the um, it's there's a lot of techniques. I've, I've been reading this um, this book. I can not book. It's a, it was an what was it called? It's like a master's master class type thing. I'm not sure exactly what it is. General books and music stuff. Um, writing and arranging for marching percussion mm. by uh, Oliver Molina. Molina. Mo, mo whatever. Anyway, it's just um, kind of like what uh, different techniques they use, explaining uh, like use of ostinato, how rolls mm. work, um, and battery, like uh, the nomenclature also is, uh, all sorts of stuff and um it goes over metric modulation one thing that i find absolutely crazy about um battery compared to basically every other ensemble you can possibly think of um is how precise they have to be and it makes sense why they have to be i mean you have an infinitesimal moment um that needs to be aligned perfectly both timbre wise intonation wise and rhythmically right um or else you get dock because it doesn't sound as good when you have like right. eight snare players 
and one of them plays an inch away from uh, the uh, everyone else's, it's going to sound diff different. And also, um, I'm looking at the document right now, and it's talking about stick heights, and that's just crazy to me. Like I, um, thinking about exactly how high pianissimo is one inch, mezzo piano is six inches, forte is twelve inches. Um, the, just like thinking about how exact you guys are, um, it really like puts in perspective like how much you guys have to work to get what you have, like get the sound you really want. Could you go? Uh, could you dive into that? Yeah, well, and it's it's an interesting thing now uh, being someone who's written, you know, drumline parts, because even just mm -hmm. like what you're saying about different heights, you know, you know, one inch all the way back to to 15 is generally what they consider full out, mm -hmm. even though it's definitely if you took a tape measure, I'm sure it'd be more like 20 inches. Um, mm -hmm. But right. But but being also someone that's on written arm now, length. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone that's written music now for for battery. It's almost it's it's really interesting because um, even for Blue Thunder, we'd have multiple um, writers, you know, writing our different battery parts, both for uh, our show music and then also for cadences and drum grooves. And mm -hmm. everyone notates things a little differently, right? It's not mm -hmm. like as straightforward mm -hmm. with other other part like. And I know that sometimes there's differences in notation um, and other you know instruments, but when it mm -hmm. comes to battery, like it's a lot dependent on the preference of the writer and mm -hmm. sometimes you have more specific details like um you'll see maybe a long roll you know maybe for like two two measures you have a 16 note roll and a lot of times um you just you leave it you don't put a specific dynamic level on the roll but there's this guy david reeves who actually came and visited uh blue thunder a couple years ago and he's written a mm -hmm. lot of our uh, arrangements both for battery and for winds and he even like does little details of putting like a, a dynamic in a parentheses underneath the roll uh, so that you know how high he wants that roll to be um, and so it's just like it, there's so much like detailed things that like um, especially as a percussionist when you're going to write that music you have to like think about every single note and way that they're going to play something because um, especially getting into something like tenors where you know, if you don't mark what hand they're going to be doing that or mm -hmm. a crossover or something like that, they can interpret it in a completely wrong way that doesn't make sense. So, mm -hmm. and right. that's and that yeah. can cascade into like developing like harmful technique as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many times, or even, even I just, you know, put one note wrong on in on the software and then it turns the whole measure into this chaos and I see them trying to play it. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I go and look at the music. I'm like, oh no, this note, one note is supposed to be on this drum, not that one. And then mm. everything flows mm. a lot better, but it's even like little mistakes like that can cascade. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of dives into like, as composers, we need to learn our rudiments. We need to learn the percussion rudiments. If we're going to start writing percussion, <laughs> um, well, more specifically battery, we can write, we can write percussion without learning our, uh, like orchestral percussion without learning the rudiments, but battery in particular, because it's so exact, like blue thunder, how many, how many snares uh, did you have your graduating year? Actually, sorry. How many tenors did you have your graduating year last year? Oh, I don't, I don't remember if it was four, but I mean, I know there was a year we had five on the line. So yeah, you have five players playing the exact same instrument, right? As opposed right. to like a symphonic winds, you have one timpani player, unless you're like playing a, mars by holes i mean jupiter by holes <laughs> then you have two um god holes was crazy but anyway um you have five 
percussionists on five players on one instrument right and yeah you can't have them sound different at all right and learning your rudiments uh learning what a uh, hand like one thing I, I go to i really like when writing a battery um is thinking about a lot about diddles um more and so uh to the listeners um from what i understand correct me if i'm wrong matt i will um so you have <laughs> you have paradiddles so right left yes. right right yeah so yeah, diddles nice. are two right or two left correct correct okay so if you have a paradiddle diddle that would be right left right right left left right yeah right, da, 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 da. right yeah yes okay so i really like thinking about those um and using those to like switch hands um switch accent pattern uh from one hand to another um mm. especially like if i'm wanting to have drums be on the left side versus the right side um and also most people are right hand dominant and Correct. so those are going to be one four four uh three times out of four those are going to be louder than the left hand um and so there's so many things that you have to think about when writing this and i kind of want to know your process so say you start with a bora show like say you were doing uh it's bora say you were doing a jazz show um Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, um, what, what, where do you start? Say you're playing, uh, what, what's a jazz chart? We did last year, Fly Me to the Moon, Frank Sinatra, right? Uh, okay. Frank Sinatra. So where do, you, where do you start when specifically writing tenor? It's a melodic instrument. Where do you start? Now, now when it comes to, gosh, jazz, jazz, jazz battery writing is different. Okay, uh, never mind. Let's not well, no, do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 go there later. Then okay. um, let's go. Let's start from somewhere a little bit more simple. Then um, what's a? Oh, all I can think of is da 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 da. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Angels well, in the architecture. Oh, yeah. Say you're gonna write battery for that. No, we're gonna get sued by Manhattan Beach Music. Um, uh, what's a piece that is public domain? Um, that would be good for that. Actually, you know what? Holst. Firebird. Uh, Firebird is good, um, but like I feel I did like actually it, write. I did actually write that complex. for Centennial a couple years ago. I wrote battery Firebird? for Firebird. Of course you did because yeah. Keep, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was it the bum 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 bum? Well, actually, bum, it was. The whole show was Firebird for them. Oh wow! I think, so we got to almost every part of that. Piece. I know that symphony, not symphony. That sweet pretty uh pretty de uh, in depth because i've listened to it like 30 times now and i have the full score and every single time i'm just like s s nose deep studying this piece but yeah. um so where did you start where did, what did you do uh so yeah uh when it comes to battery writing uh and i'll get i'll say tenor specifically it's um battery writing when you're when you're listening to a piece of music, a lot of it is you have to understand what kind of what kind of beat you want behind that, um, right? Because you could, depending on what you put in the battery, you could give it a halftime feel, it could give it a double time feel, right? Um, so mm. part of it is kind of looking at the drill, seeing what's happening. Um, if they're moving at halftime or, or if not a lot is happening, you can slow things down. But if you want things to seem more intense, you can double things up, have a lot more uh, complicated things happening, right? Faster rhythms. Um, mm. And that can just reflect what's happening in the show. But but basically what you end up doing is you decide what, you know, say it's it's 
you you look at four measures you decide you want like a pretty normal um normal beat there where you know you kind of have like the oomph on one and three and the ka like the snare sort of sounds on two and four sort of thing right um it's just assuming we're in like a four For four firebird section. well it depends yeah firebird okay. has <laughs> moments okay really okay. <laughs> yeah yeah um but essentially you kind of end up um lining up the melody with with accents within within like the snare tenors right um Mm -hmm. And then you kind of fill in the rest, right? So if they're, you know, like, for example, there's that moment of where they're actually in, I think it's they're in seven, right? Where it's a bum, 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 right? And that's just a bunch of chord notes, right? You can't have yeah. drum, you can't have drum line battery going bum, 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 bum. It's going to sound <laughs> terrible, right? Um, so what you have to do is you know that you want something sort of oomph happening on the downbeat of, of every of every beat, right? Because it is bum, 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 right? Uh, so with that in mind, you can honestly do a lot. That that sort of part of the that part of that specific music really allows you to be free in literally whatever you want to do. You could do triplets with accents on the downbeat, check it, check it, check it, check it, check it, check it, right? Or you could do um, you know a roll on each, like right? You could do almost anything as long as mm. each each downbeat, right? Each pulse, each quarter note has sort has a note to it right and generally mm -hmm. you can accent that and then you can just make it as complicated as as you want as complicated as they can handle um mm -hmm. and then you are and then i guess like the next step is also just thinking where you want to go with it right um like that part of the piece is one of the bigger parts right usually it's near the end they usually say that sort of thing for the finale at least for the show that we did right where when oh, that is the finale Firebird. of the piece right right yeah so mm -hmm. that's usually ends up being the biggest piece right so a lot of times you you might start off with something that's more intense, right? A lot of fast moving notes. Mm -hmm. And then the further along you get in this section, I mean, cause like what the seven, the seven, four section happens for like, it's just a bunch of measures of bum, 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 bum. And it goes on for a while. So knowing that you're going to have this for a while, you have to look at where you want to head with it. Right. So generally with that, my thought was faster notes of getting more, more density. And then as you move along, you're moving into more open rhythms, right. That, um, are more unison across the entire battery. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. where snare, tenor, bass are all doing similar things, um, that get, uh, less dense and less dense and heavier and heavier. Right. Um, mm -hmm. until you get to this finale. Right. And, mm -hmm. And then what's cool about individual instruments is you can kind of assign them to um, different parts of the woodwinds or not the woodwinds, but of the winds in general. Right. Uh, a lot of times uh, you end up assigning like low brass, low woodwinds can kind of go to bass drums. Right. If low brass, low woodwinds have some sort of part that's different from the rest of the band, you can kind of have the bass drums kind of echoing that in some way. Um you know, to match that, right? And then you can do that similar thing with maybe the trumpets have like a little lick, da -da -da -da, right? You can throw that on the tenors, da -da -da -da, uh, or throw it on the snare drums, right? Um, and again, mm -hmm. you you almost can't be wrong with what instrument you assign to what drum, uh, but you can kind of do that so that the same way you're hearing different parts moving throughout the winds, you can hear that happening throughout the battery as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, the um, you 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 mentioned rolls. Yes. Um, which always confuse me. Okay. Because there are like 17. Well, okay. You have diddles, right? Correct. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Uh, and then you have rolls. 
Okay. So could you explain how they how rolls work? So say you have quarter note and you have three slashes. Mathematically, those would be 30 second notes, correct? Yes. Would you play 30 second notes? Would you play 30 second? Okay, so let me explain. I'll explain something real quick. And this is something okay. I think a lot of percussionists don't know themselves. Um, when it comes to a diddle, it's it's like uh, it's not the same as like just two notes in the right hand, right? If you're playing a diddle in your right hand, it's not just two notes in the right hand because it's evenly what, spaced, right? Right. Well, what it ends yeah. up being is it ends up being one movement, right? If I'm playing two notes in my right hand, uh, one after another, and they're individual yeah. notes, my arm will move for each note, right? My arm will move up mm -hmm. and down for note one and note two. But if I'm playing a diddle in that right hand, my arm will move down for note one, and then note two will happen as my arm is moving up. Yeah, it's and gonna that, be a bounce. Da da. Right. That. Okay. Yeah. So that's what turns that into a diddle. So if I see sixteen notes, right, uh, mm -hmm. and I play four sixteen notes, ja, 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 right, my arm is moving f uh, four times. One, two, three, four. Right. Mm -hmm. If I turn those into diddles, my arm is still moving that same amount. Ja, 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 right but mm -hmm. my arm is moving, right? So really it's it's a change less in the arm and more especially in your fingers. If that okay. makes if that makes some sense. Yeah. Your fingers is, is what allows the stick to rebound on that first note and then your fingers are what sends that stick back down with force for that second note to be equivalent to the first. Mhm. Mm so, from there, yes. Um those four sixteenth notes uh equate to one quarter uh, or the length of one quarter. Correct. Okay, so um, if you were to see two dashes, that would be, be 16th notes. Would you play that right, left, right, left? If I were to see four 16 notes? If I you were to see quarter note with two slashes? I would never see that. You would never see that. Why not? In battery writing, you would never see that. Um, that might it would be just something. Be four. Okay. That might be something you would see in older like older orchestral or concert percussion writing, but even now in, in more modern, uh, more modern writing of either, you know, like marching or concert percussion, you wouldn't see a chord note with you. You basically never use anything more than one dash, one slash. Um, okay. You might, you would use that in only if you want a buzz roll, right? If you want a buzz roll, then you would use, like uh, usually you're gonna use three slashes, but I almost never see just two. Um, there's okay, no so like in between essentially. Okay, so when you have a buzz roll, so yes. when you write, you're in, when you're writing rolls, you're not, um, for like well, now, battery now percussion, even... you're writing the right, you're writing diddles instead of rolls. Correct, and now I'm even rethinking because when it comes to battery, if you want a buzz roll, you don't actually use like. I basically, I never use more than one slash at a time in battery. If I want a buzz roll, I put a Z on it. Yeah, yeah. Right? But then in the concert world, if you want to put, if you want a buzz roll, it's assumed that three slashes for the most time is a buzz roll, unless you're specifically doing a march of some kind. And even then, it's yeah. up to the interpretation of the director mm -hmm. to know what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and that's open versus closed roll, right? Correct. Open versus closed roll, yeah. And uh, I've read a little bit about this because my saxophone instructor was equating our vibrato to um, how many um, to like the speed at which like your 
which I don't know. I don't know exactly how to describe what I'm saying. So, um, say I have a half note um, at 60 beats per minute, and that's a buzz roll. How many right, left, right, left? How how many times are your hands going to go down? Mm. That's kind of what I'm. That's where where we were relating the vibrato to. Right. What do you guys think about in battery with that? Do you not even consider? Uh, or a lot of times, actually, what you're going to do, like if you have a buzz roll, um. Mm -hmm. A lot of times uh, what you'll see below it, because normally you have sticking and you have right, left, below every single note that tells you what the sticking should be, right? And so sometimes yeah. if you have a buzz roll, say you have like a half note buzz roll, um, mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll just shove all super close together at the bottom. They might shove like right, left, right, left, just really close, condensed, no space between those, those letters. Well, you can't do a buzz roll with one hand. Right. So below just the half note, you'll see right, left, right, left together as like almost a word. Um, and that indicates that they want like basically, I guess if it's a half note buzz roll, then that means they want um, eighth note equivalent, your hand moving for the buzz roll. That'd be moving really fast then. That'd be like a, a for two, eighth two note section. buzz roll. I, I would say that's actually pretty slow. Zzz. No, if you, you for it to sound like a consistent buzz oh, roll, yeah, I you're feel right. like it would have, have to be pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's sorry, we were saying. talking about two different things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and that that's kind of where we're coming from. Like when you have a buzz roll, um, you want to have that zzz sound, right? And actually, no, I wanted you to. I was just talking with someone yesterday um, about how you roll your R's. Oh, how Can I roll you my do, R's please, really fast. Please yes. do it. Please I do it. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Just like that. I yeah. was not expecting that. Okay. Yeah. All right. so, oh, that sounds like one of the uh, uh, firework or, or one of those little bumblebee fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. You want? Okay. So that is why you want your buzz rolls to sound like. Right. Okay. How the heck do you do that? I'm sorry, but how do I roll my tongue? See, I every drummer has a different way of speaking drum. You know, if they're trying to speak speaking uh, drum. Okay. Right. A lot of times. Um, They'll do like you know, like sort of things like that. So that DJ they can emulate does that. like um, yeah. but I for whatever reason, my like I just my naturally I went to using my tongue, rolling my tongue very slowly as a means of like doing diddles like right. and it just gave me over time, years and years of talking to other percussionists and doing that, I just got really good at rolling my tongue. And I can do it really fast for no reason at all. Yeah, there's no, there's no like practical. There's use no purpose. For that. Yeah, there's no practical purpose <laughs> for that. But I can definitely. That's a cool do it, party so. trick, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Are you, kidding? you did it. <laughs> you did it one day. It's like, oh, fun fact. Like for the fun fact thing at Boise and Blue oh, Thunder, yeah. you're like, oh, fun fact. Oh, yeah. I can roll my tongue. It's like, what the? Oh yeah, my god, that, that was crazy. Um, I remember that. It just blew me away. Anyway, that's what I really like. That's the only reason why we brought you on. Take care right. and take note. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah anyway so the um those roles okay so if, if, I, if i i have a, a book called teaching percussion i can't remember who it's by great um and i was i was reading that uh that page and it was talking about what tempos for buzz rolls um mm. like how many like how many what do you call it? It's not st what the sticking Basically the, is. The base, the base of what your your hands are moving. Base at rhythm for base. for a smooth buzz roll. Yeah. What do you guys deal with? Like, how do we as composers notate that in the music and the battery music? 
I would say so that, that you know if you don't doing. if you don't know, don't put anything in they'll they'll handle it just fine. Because I say I'd say that only That's reasonable. Only someone who is learning percussion uh, beyond high school, right? Someone who's beyond moved beyond the years of high school is going to think that maturely about it. Because um, mm-hmm. anyone within high school or even within college, if they're a percussionist and they've been a percussionist before the year of eight, the years of eighteen years old, um, mm-hmm. then it's not something that I've ever thought about on that level because it just be it's it's gotten to a point where they just know kind of what speed they need to go at to get that consistent buzz. Um, so that's diving more into like drum core. Yeah, my, or, or even just, I mean, just pedagogy. You know, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely been music we've gotten, you know, at, in Blue Thunder where, you know, we get a buzz roll and it's like, oh, we could do we could do six. We could do like a, a you know, a six tuplet in there and do six notes or we could mm. push a little faster and get to eight. And it's like right in the middle. And that's when you just have sexually or make a call. You know, okay, we're going to do six. We're going to do six, and we're going to open those buzzes up a little more. Or you might want a little more aggressive buzz sound, and that's when you go to eight. You'd have to work a little harder for it. But, And that's basically where it comes down to is if you know you want a more aggressive buzz there, you know. Um, but but I don't think it's ever something that it's like, oh, my gosh, they didn't give us they didn't give us a, a bass rhythm to go on. Oh, my gosh, like, what are we going to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So. But are there cases where, like, they give you a part and they don't give you the information beyond, like, the sticking or, um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've had cases where I notated a shot, um, a gunshot, not the gunshot. Yeah, it's called a gunshot on a, on a snare. A rim right? shot. Rim shot, dang it. Um, um, and like they, the, the snare player, this was an orchestral writing, didn't know, like, what do you want there? And I just rotated, notated what I read was rim shot. Right. That note head was. So do we need to uh, tell you what, uh, technique we want you to use or should we assume that, you know, kind of what it is? Well, like, cause it, you have the high mom and the, uh, all sorts of cool stuff that you can do. Right. And I think this is like the, the number one, I, it's, it's hard because again, like a lot, like every composer d- does this sort of stuff differently because they don't know. They're not like, I don't know how this is normally mm-hmm. notated. And so like, right. even, even for Blue Thunder, we have, I think about three composers that on rotation end up writing our, our show music. Uh, mm-hmm. and all three of them are percussionists, you know, but all three of them notate what a rim shot is differently. Uh, mm-hmm. no, no, none of those three, they, they each have a different way of doing it. One of them is just like an X on the note head. Another one is an X with a circle around it. And another one is like this weird kind of Z or it's like almost like an N. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's super weird, but basically as long as you write it the first couple of times, like if you have a piece and you don't, you know, you didn't know. So the first couple of times, every time you, they see this little, whatever symbol it is, if you say, if you literally just write in the music, oh, this is supposed to be you back stick, like a back stick with your, you know, with the butt of your stick on the head, then every time they see that, they'll know. Uh, and percussionists right. just get pretty used to adjusting to each piece of music having a different set of notation, which is frustrating. So, but yeah. So should we have? Oh. Oh, uh, do you think it's helpful to have like a key at the start? That's of what the I was pieces? just gonna ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it depends on how complicated the music is because, uh, I mean, like a lot of times especially when it comes to like uh, multi-percussion, right? As I got into yeah. my multi-percussion stuff, yeah. you'd have a page that shows you not only like notation of like what every single line on the piece of music is, um, 
but also you'd have like a little diagram that would show you how to set up all your different percussion stuff on like a trap table or how you want it to be in front of you to make it easier to play the part. Um, so it really just depends on how complicated the, the music you've written is and how many of those like little, um, things you've added. If you've added a bunch of back sticks or crossovers or, um, or rim shots or those sorts of things. I mean, it, if you're just sitting around like rim shot, back stick, crossover, those sorts of things, you're not going beyond that. That's generally something you don't need a key for. But if you're starting to get into like, you know, right stick toss over left, this is when you do, this is when you throw the stick behind you. Like if you're getting into that sort of stuff and it's okay, happening. Okay. This is where right you throw it at your partner. Yeah, so. no. yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> um, this but, is the part where you overthrow the director. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where you take the infinity gauntlet and kill the uh, the uh, drum major. Yes, no, exactly. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, no. Um, so yeah, the um, for for the viewer, I'm sorry, listeners that don't know what I'm talking, what we're talking about when we say multi percussion. Yes. Um, go to Matt's Instagram, and we'll pl uh, plug that at the end. <laughs> um, and look up. Uh, try to find him uh, playing the turnip. And that is my favorite multi-percussion piece out of all of them. I think that is just the greatest thing yeah, in it's existence. My, it's my favorite multi-percussion piece by I far. I love it. Yeah. It's so f And? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that oh, just gosh. cracked us yeah. up. That was so good. Um, anyway. So, yeah, get, get diving, diving into techniques, there's so many percussion things that I... Like I have yet to understand. I'm asking so many questions because I've I've learned a lot, but I know that there is just so much that I just don't know. And so what I've seen with um, tenors a lot is like they um, do like cross sticking um, a lot, or like have the right hand on the left side of the drum. Yeah, and crossover. That's what that's crossover. Called. Yeah. Like I went. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know how to ask what I'm asking. The, whoops. The drums are designed to go left, right, left, right, left, right to go up, right? To go, uh, yeah, so to go scalarly up. If you play, yeah, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. Basically, if you, if you start in the drums like right in front of you in the middle and go out to your right and left, uh, basically going down, uh, that's how the drums go down in. Uh, tuning and in size. If you just look at the drums, mm -hmm. you can see the smallest to the largest starts Except in the center spick and Spock, right in front of you. Those are sometimes the same size. Yeah, Spick and Spock. Well, actually, it's tuned differently. Spick and Spook. It's actually so. If there's spook? two, it's Spick and Spook. If there's one, it's called your oh, I Spock. I thought it was Spock. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Alrighty. So. Um, that makes sense. And those are those don't have general pitches, but the. Uh, um, I was reading something about Blue Devils and how they tune um, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Um, but the five stakes don't have exact um, pitches. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Generally, generally the two smaller drums in the center, it's usually one or two, uh, are more of that just high pitched percussive effect. It's not really um, mm -hmm. a generic pitch you're going to. Yeah. Okay. okay. And the um, the other ones, they do have specific pitches. And yeah, right. and I wouldn't say specific pitches, but like pitches relevant to each other more than the top two. Um, but you want them to sound intonated, uh, like you want them to sound the same between the five instruments, right? Right. So usually what you end up doing is you tune one set of tenors and then you tune the other four sets to that. to that one. Yeah. 
Mm. So. so what intervals do they normally write for that? Uh, we're diving way too far into this. Yeah, no, I'm you're good. Curious. So usually I start with the, I either I either start with the bottom drum of the outside four or the top, uh, and then it usually ends up being like a minor third between the top two, and then, uh, and then a major third from there, and then a perfect fourth from there. So let's see. I have a major triad, um, dum bum bum, and then you have like a, a five almost. So yeah. that means that one and three are no one and yeah one and three no does it go um right left right left one two three four or does it go left to right one two three four i forget so it's one two three four going down going from the top down on those outside drums oh so, so one four, two three four drum four is going to be your your largest drum on your bottom left oh right. i'm backwards okay so so that means one and four are an octave apart one and four are an octave apart yes Okay, because that would be usually, four and plus usually five that tuning eight. doesn't work out so perfectly, uh, and uh, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> so it's generally what okay. happens. But, okay, That's so, um, and you don't have a specific major triad, uh, like triad that you want to have them tuned nope. to. You, it's just, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that'd be awful if it was tuned to a key. It'd be like, all right, everybody, we're switching movements, but first we got to retune the like tenors. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See that? That's probably where the the problem part of the problem lies. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're just like we're just gonna draw the line here. It's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then th that kind of dies down to like I remember the scene from Whiplash. Um, I hate that movie, but um, there's a scene from Whiplash where it's like, oh, tune your toms to B flat and E flat and needs to be exactly in tune. It's like nobody can hear, and also, what if you're playing a like a key in A, mm -hmm. and you have a B flat note there? Like, why do you like what? Nobody cares. Anyway, yeah. that's just my opinion on that. So yeah, we we've we've dived way too hard into rules. So we were talking about crossover, okay? Uh, not rules, um, uh, techniques. But I, I'm curious what we as composers what we should be thinking about when doing those crossovers. For example, like for marimba, what we, uh, when we have like four mallet technique, yeah. I'm not sure if you can see my screen right now, or no, our listeners can't, but um, one thing that we like to do, um, or at least I like to do personally, um, is I take four pencils and I hold them as if I'm ho holding four mallets and um, I'm probably holding these incorrectly. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay, well, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> Whatever. Doesn't, doesn't matter too much for this exercise. We, um, we go to the piano, and we kind of judge if this is, like, an uncomfortable voicing. And so mm -hmm. if, like, you have black keys in the middle and white keys on the outside, um, and your hands are too close together, like, you're going to get this really awkward thing. Or same thing if you go vice versa on the outside. If you have black notes on the outside and white notes on the inside. Um, so that's kind of like a trick that we do to like yeah. think about um, if our voicing is actually good. Oh, I was just accidentally writing on my piano. Whoops. Okay. Um, anyway, what tricks do we need? Can we uh, use to write um, for tenors uh, to get those crossover? Like, because I love watching like tenors like do all this crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's it's so cool. Yeah. What, how can I make it interesting? And I'm sure that's really fun to do. How can I make it fun for them? I'm sorry. I'm asking all the questions, AJ. I'm so sorry. No, I mean, 
you basically want to do what you're doing with format, but for tenors, pretend you have them in front of you and you just grab mm -hmm. four books, you know, grab four books and put them in front of you the way tenors are. The theory then, textbook that everyone hates. Yes, exactly. Who cares if you have um, And the anthology we never use. The anthology that yeah. we never use. I used it once. I used it one once. Time. Once. Yeah. Once that's like 70 two, bucks have, that you use. You get a new one in theory three. You're like, all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and basically you just want to, you want to play it through your part, even if you're doing it really slowly. Um, because I, you know, you're not percussionist, so it's not, it's not like you can play it up to speed, but <gasps> really even just playing, oh my through God. It, playing it through it slowly enough to know if it, if it flows sort of well. Right. Um, because if there's a point where you're like, oh gosh, I have to go under this, uh, and it feels very uncomfortable or like, um, even just trying to move your arms in that motion without like playing the actual notes, just like mm -hmm. seeing if that flows well, because generally if it, if it feels like it moves across the drums well, then you're probably fine. Um, a lot of times I think that the issue when it comes to tenor writing for people that don't play tenors is, is it just comes from, um, writing down, like not understanding how the drums are on, you know, one, two, three, four, how they mm -hmm. are on the actual drums, how that's set up. Uh, and mm -hmm. people trying to write, you know, crossovers or things like that, um, where it doesn't make sense, you know, or where, where it's not possible almost. Um, mm -hmm. like if you're trying to do a diddle between drum four and drum, like if you're, if you're trying to do diddle between drum four and drum, uh, three, like that's not going to happen, but you can go right. data. Right, and like exactly. that, that's also cool. Like diddles or grace notes between uh um between drums. I think that's really cool to watch. Oh, you um, mean I'm uh, sure those that's are called fun to sweeps. play. Yes. Sweeps, is that what it's called? Okay. Yeah, sweeps. Um like you have to notate basically what would look like in fifths. Um so you can't go one to two. I'm sorry, you can do one to two, but you can't do um two to three. You have to do one to three or uh, something like that. Like, you, right, have, to, you right, have to really right. think about where they are placed next to each other. Correct. Right. Yeah. And then you also, you also have to think about what what direction these your hands are moving in. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you're doing, you know, like a sweep from drum three to drum one, right? Your, your right hand's moving okay. from the right to the left, right? That's yeah. the motion it's heading in. So mm -hmm. um, depending on where you want to head next, like, and part of it is just on the player too. I mean, sometimes it's just some some things are written and they're challenging, but they're possible. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of something that's not as possible. Generally, things that are harder that get written for tenors are if you have a crossover, say, say the right hand is over the left, right? Okay. Um, and then they ask you to do a diddle in the left hand, right? That's oh, going to be generally pretty hard to yeah. do because your right hand is on top. Um, it's not okay. impossible and it's something that's, that's doable, but like at a at a high school level, especially, it's mm -hmm. it's generally seems like asking a lot from them. Um, I feel like it's feel. more doable the further along the right hand is. Like if they're really close to each other, that's gonna be a no go. But like, right. I feel like it's more doable if it's like the left hand is on one and right, right hand is on four. And generally, However, if, if, you're doing if the that, right hand is just crossing or fast and getting out of the way, it's not as much of an issue. But it's mm -hmm. when the right hand is is crossed over for, for more than just one note, that's mm -hmm. when that can be in the way because the, the left hand doesn't have as much mobility to move there. Okay. Right. Okay. So we dived, dove, dived. We dove really uh, deep into like the technique and, and stuff. Do you have any other inputs? um on like what 
like what other cool things like we can be thinking about you, you were talking about stick like stick tosses and flips and stuff right um there's also different mallets or sticks that you use i shouldn't say mallets different sticks that you use on the um and actually it is mallets you can mallets. say mallets fine for, okay. for tenors yeah i'll say mallets then um <laughs> So you have different you have different mallets, especially with like bass drum. You have um, you have hard and soft, and maybe yeah. somewhere in between. Um, like what what do you what do you what should we be writing for? What should we be thinking about? What are the difference in the mallets? Um, what are some cool techniques that you like to see, etc.? Just add on more, and we'll ask questions as we go. Actually, I'll ask questions because I've I'll stop asking questions. I'm sorry. I mean, um, I'll because <laughs> I've asked so many right now. Um, yeah, so, so generally when it comes to, and this is bass drum as well, you have, you have your, your regular mallets and then you have what are called puffies. Um, puffies, puffies are usually <laughs> kind of cotton looking on the end. Right. And they give okay. like a softer, less articulate sound. Um, and they're, they're most often you're going to see them used on bass drum before you see them used on tenors. Um, mm -hmm. but, but two of the shows that I've written for Centennial, I definitely wrote some puffies into the tenor parts. Um, I and love that name, Puffies. <laughs> Just makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We got some. We got some good names over in the in the drumland. Um, Spix, Box, Boot, Puffies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also have a technique on tenors called uh, a skank. If you want to get into that, but we can talk about that. Oh yeah, I know about that. Yeah, uh, thank. <laughs> yeah, I know about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could you describe it? It's uh, a skank is basically when you. You rim shot on, generally it happens on drum four, your largest, lowest drum. And immediately mm -hmm. after you rim shot, you mute it with your left hand. Uh, and it kind of mm -hmm. gives this gout sort of sort of sound. Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar to like how you put a plunger over a, um, like a, a brass instrument and you kind of get mm -hmm. this wah-wah. And it kind of is that same sort of thing, but but for drums. Mm -hmm. It's called wow. a skank. And you can so. also do that on snares from what I understand, right? No. But it's not as easy. I... I thought I saw someone do it on a snare, but I could on be a snare like a concert snare drum, sure. But I oh, say oh okay, but not on a marching on a, snare. On a marching snare is you can ask for it, you can tell them to do it, and they can do it, but it's not going to sound any different than if they just rim shotted the snare drum. Yeah, because so. it's it's mm -hmm. such a fast sound, right? There, yeah, Whereas snares tenors, are just, it resonates. The heads are just so non-resonant and quickly articulate that you just don't get any sort of vibration from the head beyond half a millisecond you know i mean it's so and that's that's why you have to like be really or pay attention like and mathematical about how you write and how you want the drums to sound because it's such a short sound yeah right, right. yeah, yeah. But, um uh, sorry yeah when it when it comes to implements right using puffies um usually they can come into play for um sort of like woodwind features right when things need to be quieter um you can you can implement these uh, these different sounds because it really just gives like a warmer sound, like a warmer, softer sound, almost as though um, I don't know. There's like a blanket over the drum is kind of what that sort of sound you have is right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's less harsh um, and less harsh, less harsh. I would yeah. struggle with saying that less harsh, <laughs> less harsh. I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so usually Sorry. I'll implement those in like somewhere into like the the ballad of a movement. Mm -hmm. um and and bass drums too a lot of times schools don't have puffies so what you can even do is write for them to play it at the rim and they can just not play in the center of their head but you know get up closer to the rim and then you get a similar sound with a normal pair of mallets mm -hmm. um but 
but yeah, beyond that, I mean, there's there's definitely like hundreds of different types of sticks and mallets you can use on tenors, but but generally schools uh, and and places are not going to have a bunch of those. And even even Boise Boise State, we had a, a bunch, but but the composer is not generally the one that um, distinguishes between what types of sticks you're using. Um, uh, so really, the only distinguishing factor that the composer has is generally saying puffies. That's the only thing I've ever seen put into a, mm -hmm. an actual composition, ac actually in the music for us to use. So. All right. Yeah. So the, um, like on snare, you have uh, what they call the high mom. And I, yes. have, I imagine that's because it looks like they're waving at their mom. Is sure. that correct? We'll, we'll, that, we'll okay. go with that because honestly, I have no idea. So. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So um, I am probably not doing it correctly, but it's with their left hand, and because they're they have it like this, they can like go all the way over. I'm not sure if you can see Matt. I'm probably doing it really poorly, but um, obviously our listeners can't see. Yeah, but, I was, was um, going to say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> so for tenors, um, what are some cool like tricks? um that you like to do like i mean i i know you guys do the crossover like um stuff but that's like really basic um but like you do i'm not going to try to toss it do a flip um because i'm going to damage my saxophones um because i'm bad uh, i can't catch hmm. so like what do you what do you want uh for those tricks what would you like to see Ready yeah, and generally, parts. generally, what it sticks to is is those sweeps, which is like a diddle between two of the drums. Sure. Uh, the crossovers, um, doing both of those at the same time is generally where you can start to get into some really fun, crazy looking stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you can add, you know, like a, a stick toss in there and just literally write stick toss in your right hand uh, into the music, uh, and mm -hmm. that's how that'd be notated. But beyond that's that, more we don't, like a we, visual effect, right? right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And we don't really have a lot of that written into our music. And honestly, I can't really think of a whole lot for, for more for tenors beyond that. Besides, like, maybe some backsticking. But even then, backsticking works a lot better on snares because their head is still very articulate. Even with, like, a, you know, when you backstick, you just don't mm -hmm. have as much velocity. You're not going to have as, as strong of a sound. And also, uh, I'd imagine, depending on the mallets you're using, some of them are, like, really big and round. I feel like that would... Does that ever get in the way? Aren't you doing French grip or is it? Uh, no, French grip. Yeah, is, what's the grip? French grip is only for timpani. Uh, it's just oh. a normal match grip with the hand, the back of the hands. Oh, up. okay, for timpani, um, uh, for um, tenors. Yeah, and then the other issue with doing back sticks on tenors is the tenors are definitely further away from the body than the snares are. Snares are raised up a little higher because you're using traditional grip. So when you're doing backstick, mm -hmm. the, the head is a lot closer to you and you can you generally reach that easier. But trying to do a backstick mm -hmm. on tenors is uh, not impossible, but if you're asking them to do a backstick on drums one or two, it's it's probably not going to happen because they can't reach drums one or two with the back of their, with the butt of their stick because um, they don't have as much, they don't have as much reach there, right? Uh, most of the stick is coming out in front of them. The butt of the stick, they don't have as much to reach forward with. Oh, so, so you're... Okay, so you're not like changing your hand placement. You're not like flipping the stick over. You're like yeah, you just you kind of yeah you just bend the you just bend your let the stick fall back and and touch it with the butt of your stick yeah, like that yeah exactly, like this yeah yeah like that okay okay so basically what I was doing um so I was trying to like I have I have drumsticks obviously and I'm just trying to figure out what the I'm doing. <laughs> 
because I'm a saxophonist. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> so yeah, I um, know. I'm like I I don't even like I kind of feel close to the, the the rhythm section in jazz band because you know I play bass trombone, so it's like second bass. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but battery percussion just like it eludes me. It escapes me. Like I don't even. I'll just like if I write a chart, I'll just give it to someone. Like I'm like write the battery, please. I'm like I yeah, just here's how you here's how you write music. You have someone else do it, right? I mean, here's yeah, how you write yeah. battery. You have someone else yeah. do it, and that's how a lot of drum corps do it. They have the composer, and then they have the battery composer. Yeah, yeah, and it's right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unfortunately a lot more common, maybe or easier. There's there's better resources to as a percussionist learn how to write wins than as a wind player learn how to write for battery, you know? Right. Uh, like I, I would and that's kind of say, why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, I, I get it because you know, uh, you, it, what doesn't happen, what doesn't happen is having bad wind parts, you know, if you're a director and you well, have bad, if you have bad wind parts, we'll just hear, you oh, know, yeah. if you have bad direct wind parts as a director, it, it doesn't fly for you as easily as or as often as bad battery parts get you know just are, are allowed you know what i mean maybe yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's a lot easier to just go oh well you know the battery parts are super easy or they're really boring for them or they're not written well figure it out then oh our wind play you know parts are terrible i'm gonna get this fixed and yell at the composer you know right and mm-hmm. i feel like part of that is because of the just the way we're educated as well, because you take, you know, music theory, ear training, like all of these things that are kind of like oriented around like the, the musicality tonal. of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tonal. The tonal parts where it was, mm-hmm. we don't have as many like percussion classes, like, oh, hey, like learn how to like feel this funk groove or something, yeah. you know, it's something yeah. you have to kind of pick up while you do it um, in order for you to then go and do it again. And, and everything, even, even battery. Oh. oh, sorry. sorry even Matt. battery specifically, like, I mean. At Boise State, there was one marching band class, and it was great. Yeah, Doctor Joe Tornello band. taught it, and he did a great yeah. job. But but there's just such a such a short short gosh, <laughs> such a short section of it dedicated to battery percussion. <laughs> so uh, right, when it should section. be like its own class because it's right. really complicated. Yeah, yeah, it's for, crazy for people that want that sort of fundamental experience. Yeah, I mean, you you need more mm. than even just a month on on that. Yeah, just tenors mm-hmm. alone like could take an entire month or two. I feel like oh, yeah. each instrument, each each except for cymbal. Okay, I don't want to trash on cymbal, but they have Dude, one cymbal note. tricks it's are so what cool. it feels like. Well, it's like, yeah, symbol, it's, it's, I wish I knew more about It's a trick that is more like that is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the crashes because they're just like, hey, I crash or I choke or I hi hat type stuff, and like you you have very limited in comparison to um, the other drums, and I feel like. I don't know. I I want I want to see more. I think I think there should be more with symbols. But the thing is, like, it's not practical. You're not going to have a symbol player have 18 different symbols on them. <laughs> like, right, right, they right. can't march. Yeah, do the but, finger symbols while they actually hold the yeah, real ding, symbols. Ding, ding. <laughs> oh, that'd be adorable. Um, that'd be impressive. That'd be really yeah. funny. Probably have to grow another finger, but <laughs> it's doable. That's <laughs> like uh, like in um, Princess Bride, the six fingered person. Mm-hmm. Um. So the um, there's one thing I was gonna ask before we got onto um, that tan. Well, it wasn't a tangent, but before we got onto that.
So you have, you, we were talking about match grip. Um, we were talking about the different tricks we can do. Um, oh, we were talking about traditional, because we were talking, uh, we, were, we were talking about like how the butt end of the stick is easier on snare than it is on tenors. Correct. Um, in in certain places, right? Um, so one thing I am frustrated by. Okay. Um, is that traditional is required for basically all for for all DCI WGI even uh, um, in high school it is required. However, the traditional grip was designed for field drum, which yeah. hung on its side, and it was designed to be played like 30 degrees off uh, the plane, right? And so it would yeah. hang, right? And so it's it was a better angle for that than like having this natch grip and your like elbow is way up high, right? And yeah. so traditionals for that so then when they go to uh, back to snare marching snare not snare um the plane is uh it's flat. horizontal right yeah well planes are always flat well, or they're yeah. round with the they're big tubes with uh, wings and um so anyway the um the the plane is horizontal um why didn't they just go back to matched i have no idea I feel like that is. <laughs> I really. It's so stupid. It really stupid. doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't. the The whole purpose for, for traditional was we didn't have. Uh, the, the, yeah, I mean, exactly. You're right. The we didn't drums have used to hang from a rope around your shoulder, and the way that they hung, put them at this angle so that your left hand couldn't really get in at a good, um, good playing position and match grip. So they mm -hmm. they came up with this traditional grip. Um, and and then as we developed our drums further and further, we got to a point where we could get the snare drum to be flat in front of us. And I have no idea why the traditional grip didn't die off. And part of it might just be to specialize snare drum a little more because uh, because otherwise, flat out tenors is just harder. You know, if if snare drummers were, were playing match grip and tenor drums were you know are are still match grip, then. Um, there would be no doubt about it. Tenors would be the most challenging of the two. Um, and I think I feel if like anything, you're a little biased. No, I, I just say it because <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I, I say that the, the whole reason I never played snare is because I didn't want to learn traditional grip. You know, there's a challenge mm -hmm. to it that I didn't care to overcome. And I think having traditional grip on snare drums has allowed um for specialization on one of the two instruments you know otherwise any tenor mm -hmm. player could walk over to a snare drum would be just as good as the snare snare players you know because it's just right. about it's just about not having to move from drum to drum now which which makes things easier you know except um, for top secret well like I, I love those um i love watching top secret top secret is this drum core not drum core this drum line from uh, scotland um and they do all of these these really cool shows and they like have their sticks catch on fire or they have like fireworks coming out of their bass drums and it's crazy i love watching them but like one thing that i find really cool is how the snares like switch to the instrument to their left oh yeah and they're like in a whole line i find that awesome yeah tenors can't really do that unless they're like facing each other but due to covid you can't do that um if they're facing each other you might be able to play on in front of you but not really like uh, I'm yeah, what I'm trying to think is even twelve feet to my right and trying to play your tenor I think, drum. I think my sophomore year at Boise State, we did a show where there was a percussion feature where we had 
you know, two snare players between every tenor player on the field in like a half circle in like an arc, basically facing the mm -hmm. audience. And we did have this kind of this feature where we all leaned forward um, and we're playing on each other's drums. And I actually was That's playing. That's so cool. I was hitting the snare drums to my left and right. Um, oh, you could reach it? So it I is, don't know yeah, how it wide possible, tenors are. It is possible depending on how challenging that part is. I think it was designed to be more again that's more of a visual effect right so you can't uh especially when with the tenors you have more of a reach right you have that you have to reach over mm -hmm. all the way to the other drum but but yeah we did it we made it possible and i think it that's wasn't cool the, yeah it was pretty it was pretty cool so and that that's the collaboration between your uh uh drill writer and your composer right you um uh, always communicate with the director yeah. drill drill designer um uh prop people like all be in communication Everybody. when you're writing just just communicate yes and you'll have an effective show if yes. you don't communicate things are gonna fail just will yeah if you yeah. don't communicate you won't get called back so hmm. yeah um so anyway that that's really cool i i think that's um awesome and yeah. so that opens up more opportunities for uh tenor drums yeah right? um just kind of cool stuff that you can do Anyway, Adrian had a question that now has taken an hour and two minutes to, well, no, not two <laughs> minutes, but an hour to get to because I had so many questions that I just... Yeah, you looked like you were having a good time. I didn't want to be like, I, so anyway. I'm so sorry, Adrian. <laughs> it's yeah. not good. Um, um, I'm probably going to have so many more questions, but like... I was like, so so basically when, when you're just starting writing, do you think it's more beneficial to like um, kind of have a general framework of the of the battery part? So like where all the, the major hits are and everything else and then fill in with all the little filler stuff in between or uh, just fill write in with it all the from start stuff. to finish? No, and I think, I think that's definitely a smart way to go about it, especially if you're less comfortable with uh, the the music itself or with battery writing. I mean, I know depending on the show, depending on how it's going, sometimes I'll start at a certain part because sometimes I listen to a part of the winds and I'm like, I have no idea what I want to put there battery wise. And so I just don't put anything yet. I go and I go to a different part of that movement, you know, because um, also sometimes mm -hmm. that gives you ideas of what to put, you know, back in that spot you couldn't think. And um, and yeah, especially especially when you don't have these rudiments so comfortable in your brain, like. It's definitely important to know the points you're trying to hit, what what accents, what uh, what beats of the measure have those hit points in the winds that you want the the percussion to um, line up with. So, yeah, I think it's mm -hmm. super smart to kind of know um, where that is and start there and then fill in the notes, you know, um, because if anything, then it also helps if, you know, oh, this part ended up being too easy. Uh, and you can go in and rewrite those filler things, but you don't have to worry about where you want those hits to be because you already have that. Yeah. Okay. And cool. one thing, cool. one thing I've noticed that I have done with the two things I, I've I've written two battery percussion things. All right. Um, one the uh, show that I can't actually talk about. Um, I don't think it's uh, legal for me to talk about on a publicized podcast. Um, but Matt, I showed Fancy. it to you. Um, and I think you you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and then also I wrote a tuning hit um, that had battery percussion as well. Um, one thing, like, the hits are really important. Like, think about where the whole band is coming in, right? So, say, with Firebird, um, you have the big hit. That big thing. You have the big hit right there. I mean, um, you want to think about the accent pattern, those things. But one thing I noticed that I was doing personally is I was writing percussion motifs 
um, in okay. the battery, right? And so I was basically writing the battery so that it could like work on its own and be its own like cadence, its own its own piece. Um, so like I would have little motifs like da 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 or something like that, just some some rhythm, and that would pop up a lot, and that would help the um, continuity of the whole thing, and mm. also it helps them be able to memorize the parts, right? Because you memorize one motif, you have now the whole song if you and a couple fillers, um, rather than trying to memorize so much crap at once. Mm-hmm. If there's no consistency whatsoever, um, so how do you balance, um, writing something that is unique for that moment, um, to and but also not making it so overly complicated that because they're memorizing it. Um, that is just like so much like fire hose, uh, drinking from a fire hose type of thing. How do you personally, Matt, when you're writing, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think part of it is you want to hear the song a little bit in, in the battery, you know, like you're mm-hmm. saying. And it, it shouldn't necessarily be so much that if you heard the battery and had no idea and d- didn't hear the winds, you could just be like, oh, that's Firebird. I can tell the drumline's playing Firebird, even though, you know, I had no mm-hmm. idea. Um, but it should be something that, as the battery, you know, begins to learn their parts and then they start to play with the winds, they can hear, oh my gosh, I'm kind of playing what the woodwinds have right there. That's kind of cool. Or like the bass drums are playing, you know, you know, they're playing that and they go, oh, okay, we have this sort of part that the rest of the band has. That's kind of cool. So it's enough that the battery as musicians can recognize that within the wind parts in their own part. They can notice that relation. Um, but it doesn't, you know, and I think it's almost impossible to make it so that you can recognize it on its own. But like, but I think it's really. Well, but yeah, I would always de- scream Mars in the middle. Ba-da-da. Everyone would be like, oh, shut up, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, Sorry, uh, Matt. We just interrupted you. No, you're good. But, but yeah. So I think I think it definitely has something to do with like the battery part should be unique to the song, you know, and mm-hmm. have parts of that song within it. Um, but also you can you can have moments where, you know, like you're saying, the battery can can be on its own a little more. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool when you have those moments. But also being aware that having those moments all the time can can almost overpower what's happening in the winds. And sometimes it's totally okay to have the percussion mm-hmm. kind of bored, um, especially yeah, in like yeah. a marching band battery situation. And that's something that definitely took me a little bit to understand uh, when I first started to write, because I just like, I was like, man, I can make this so complicated and fun for them. And I wanted every moment to be that way. And then I realized why you can't do that. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's, it, it, we were uh, talking about that in previous podcasts, like, why in like concert band there's a composer that I don't want to name um, who writes snare drum throughout the whole piece snare drum bass drum cymbal timpani and it's just it's it's so boring like why would you write snare drum of all instruments throughout the whole piece and have it be like like just have like I there's no point it's 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 a color. It's an. It's a beautiful instrument. Use it sparingly, like you would every other instrument. And if you have everyone playing, 
um, something the whole time that makes it fun, then the whole thing is boring. It's like yeah. it kind of goes back to uh, um, The Incredibles. Um, if everyone is super, no one is uh, right. type of thing. Yeah. Um, well, when, if everything I mean, is fun, nothing is. As much as as a percussionist, it's, it can be frustrating to have a lot of rests. There's good reason mm-hmm. for it sometimes, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that you get used to. But but and it doesn't mean that there, there definitely is music that's out there that's written that doesn't have much percussion. And I think that's um, a mistake. I think that there a lot of times it's just like a lack of interest Agreed. in putting effort into that for sure. But I also think there's some music out there that the little bit of percussion it has is is good for what the song is. And sometimes you don't need all of this um John I mean, Mackey. Yeah, I mean, sort of situation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Like um, turbine. Like yeah. we played uh, an American LG a couple years ago, right? Yes, um, to Kelly. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't have a lot of percussion. It really doesn't, you know. Um, was like a cymbal roll, a bass drum hit. Bass drum has two yeah. notes in that thing, you know. Two notes. Okay. Yeah, like two, two maybe three notes or something. And I I remember Daniel played that, and you know he did a great job with those three notes. And I'm sure he was bored the rest of the time. But and as frustrating that it is with that with being a percussionist in that situation, uh, when you step back and look at it as a musician as a whole, like it's good. You shouldn't have bass drum more than three times in that piece, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And I share I share a lot of the same sentiment coming from low brass, uh, <laughs> especially in some pieces. Uh, it's ridiculous. Like orchestral bass bone playing, it's like half the time you're not even like doing anything. So. I mean, I definitely share the sentiment, but I see it more as like um, not not thinking of it as, oh, I don't get a play here. It's, oh, when I do get a play, I'm important because I'm not like, you know, yeah, I don't play as much throughout the rest yeah. of the piece. And as composers, we need to uh, really be thinking about um, be thinking about our players and understand, like, if we are uh, if they aren't playing the whole time, like don't make flutes play the whole a uh, whole piece don't do that to them. like okay there's this piece by percy granger um it's called um unison no something something unison no i'm gonna quickly interrupt it is called the immovable dough by percy granger Alrighty, here we go whatever it is it has one note held by the flutes by like for like 40 measures mm. and you just don't do that right and and it for me, it's like the same effect as having a snare drum through the whole thing or having a um, um, battery playing everything fun the whole time because if it's too complicated, it, it'll end up sounding like white noise um, and it's not. It's going to lose the effect. And then when it is like big and um, complicated, um, it's going to just be that much more um, Meaningful, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um, so... Um, I feel like I had something else. What do you, Matt, where do you draw your inspirations from? Oh, as far as battery writing? Battery writing, battery playing, whatever. I draw it a lot from, I guess, just my experiences with it, which, uh, you know. Yeah, where'd you march? You marched Blue Thunder and did you do a drum core? You didn't do a drum core? <laughs> I never did drum core. No way. I never did drum core for a lot of reasons. Uh, Why the, not? The biggest reason I didn't do drum core is I didn't, I don't really have that skill for it. Um, bullshit. Oh, it's true. That uh, when it is comes, bullshit. When it comes to um, battery in DCI, 
it is so competitive and the rudimental so? understanding you have to have, and these are like hybrid rudiments. We're not talking about like flams and really simple stuff. We're talking about like, you know, inverted cheesy flam taps, which, you you know, is a legit, you know, hybrid rudiment that I have no idea how to play that. Book reports, book reports. I barely know how to play book reports. That's a rudiment, right? Um <laughs> And, yeah, I, I love these names, man. I love these uh, saxophone. I'm just like, what the heck? And so these, we have these saxophone are donut, so like, and that's how weird it gets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're weird folk, and uh, I don't know why they're called what they are. But There's a reason why. If you want to have fun, you party with the percussionist. Yeah, exactly. We're cool people. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's it's basically its own world over here, and I I just didn't have I don't want to dedicate that much time to understanding and learning. Uh, and being able to play those rudiments because uh, after I turned 21, they are, you know, I've expired from those being helpful to me, you know? Well, uh, WGI. Right. No, you're right. right. You can, I mean, that's true. Um, which goes but, to 26. And then there are all ages cores. And then well, there's something like, he wants teach. to pursue, is kind of the thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just. I'm just making of, a counter. No, no, and you're right. I mean, it's not like when you're actually 21, it's like, oh, there's no, it's, there's nothing else I can do anymore, right? Because there are, right? Yeah, that's yeah. how I um, felt. Uh, but I think just where I was in, you know, call, I was in college, I was trying to learn, you know, form out more diligently and like fully understand concert percussion. Um, and, and also just like I was learning, I was getting a music ed degree. I was trying to figure out every other mm-hmm. instrument that I wasn't comfortable with. And to, on top of that, try to figure out all these rudiments that I hadn't begun to uh, understand and feel comfortable with. I just honestly didn't mm-hmm. care enough to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of why I never ended up doing DCI, you know. Um, so I guess, I mean, most of my, yeah, most of my inspiration comes from what I've heard on DCI and what I've played mm-hmm. in Blue Thunder and what I've played um, uh, in high school, I guess. But even then, my high school experiences were pretty low compared to um, what I got to get to in college. So, Right, right. Right. Um, what... Was your favorite? Um, what has been your favorite show that I played in? Anything. Um, oh, okay. Gosh. Yeah. First that you played in. Oh, favorite show that I played in would probably have to be. I really liked the music for the 1987 show that we did, and that was for the 30th anniversary of the Blue. I think that was two or three years ago. Um, that have been three years ago. Yeah. And it wasn't even it wasn't even the winds parts. It was just the parts for percussion. Um, I think we had David Reeves come out, and he's this he's actually a tenor player, David Reeves. But he actually writes mm. a lot of our he wrote our um, our Queen show. He wrote the Bo- Bohemian hit that was him arranged by him. Winds parts too. Um, so he's nice. like a really great wind um, composer. But it's cool because he comes over. He's like, hey, yo, tenors, like that was me. That's my part. That's my instrument. Cool. And um, mm-hmm. he came out and like saw, visited our, our band and saw us play. And he went to Joe and was like, hey, man, you could challenge these guys a lot more like than, than what I've been writing for him. And so for the 1987 show, he, like that's what he did. Like David wrote it again, David Reeves. And he just like wrote these more challenging, intense parts that were actually like something we had to work out a little more. And it ended up being like one of my favorites to play just because I think it felt more DCI than anything I'd ever done previously. Yeah, my favorite show that Blue Thunder did was The Planets. Mm. Um, One year before you came in, um, Mm. Adrian, um, you probably know the show that uh, Twitch were referring. We had uh, New World Symphony, and we had um, The Planets, 
we had and what was the what was the last new world and then it was something what was our mainline tune god what was it fly um, me to, was that fly me to the moon uh might have been fly me to the might moon. have been but we can forget that if it is we can just forget about okay. that okay that's fair <laughs> um no that was our that was last year's show um or that was our third year whatever it doesn't that matter that was our third show um, last year that was our third show last year okay um yeah that's right i hated the saxon parts for that they were their articulations were bad i know and the um, only game we marched it i was sick so <laughs> oh yeah that's unfortunate oh well i learned the entire thing and then i was like and then like two days before the game i just got like terribly sick with strep and i was like well <laughs> <laughs> that sucks wow yeah i was like all that work oh well <laughs> moving on back to the marvel show <laughs> um yeah uh so we were um we were playing like those are those are my uh that was my favorite piece because that um i mean my favorite show because that felt the most like drum core um that i've ever been in and mm. i and I'd, i i want to do more like that yeah just like as much drum core it's so cool what's your favorite drum core who who um yeah sure i think it's gonna Ooh. probably uh santa clara santa clara is probably my you know favorite. matt when we first met um that was at orientation yeah right and i came in with the santa clara vanguard shirt and not like i didn't intend to like put on a santa clara vanguard shirt and like oh hey what if someone knows um i would just walked up and it was like hey santa clara vanguard it's like i am going to love this person eternally <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't know you were like in music. Well, like you had to been in music, but I didn't know like you're a music major and stuff. So that was actually a really cool connection. Yeah. First time we met was at orientation, and then like you were my uh, orientation guide. Leader. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I don't know. That was just so much fun. I really enjoyed that. That's cool. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I had a good time um, with that that summer. That was a good that time. Was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, a similar thing happened with me and Sam Wildeman actually. <laughs> He was my orientation really? leader, yeah. Oh, really? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, except he was the brass tech at my high school for my senior year, mm -hmm. so I already knew him. So here it's mm -hmm. like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what? Uh, so Santa Clara Vanguard, what is your favorite show? Except for Babylon, because obviously that's everyone's favorite uh, show. Les Mis. Les Mis. What Les. year was that? 2013 or something. I honestly don't know. I want to say 2013. Okay why why do i want to say that no why why is that oh. your favorite show just curious <laughs> um because i love lame is the music from it and i just thought like oh my gosh mm -hmm. just the way they did it i just love that music already and uh i love the way they put it together on the field yeah mm -hmm. really my cool favorite drill stuff. um my favorite is also uh scv absolutely love scv um and it's their 2016 show forces of nature um but particularly their first movement where they played uh vivaldi's four seasons uh, vivaldi spring recomposed by max richter um it's just it's really cool you should uh, if you haven't listened to it check it out um adrian what's your favorite show drum corps and uh show from that drum corps <coughs> <clears throat> Sorry, oh, I pulled up. I pulled up the Les Mis video because I was actually really interested. Oh, what did you say? Sorry. sorry? <laughs> what is your uh, no worries? Um, what is your favorite show you've marched? Uh, your favorite drum corps and uh, sub, sub, subsequently your favorite show from that drum corps. 
Um, so my favorite show I've ever marched was probably my junior year of high school. And mm-hmm. so this is okay. I gonna I kind of have to paint the scene. So like, where are you um, from? My freshman year Capital. of high school. No, Meridian. <laughs> yeah, all good. Um, but so my freshman year of high school, um, we had Mrs. O as our director, Mrs. Olswinger, and um, she was pregnant, so she left, and then her her old high school band director came in. I forget mm-hmm. his name. I want to say Mr. Lee's, I think. But um, we ran the season. It was super good. We got first place in everything. Nice. Um, it was super fun. And then the next year uh, came along. Terrible. It was awful. We we did Carmen, um, and mm-hmm. it was it was just really bad because it was like it was kind of like the skill the skill was kind of down here and the the show was up here. So there was like a lot of disconnect and like it mm. felt like you kept adding on more things when we already didn't have like other visuals and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, um, it was it was kind of just a good year for me because I got I got my professional trombone. I got um, I had like a really really tight cool friend group. Um, I had like all these other really cool things going on, and on top of that, the um, the show music was really hard because the director wrote it himself, and like some of the oh. parts weren't necessarily playable, but it was fun to try if that makes sense. Mm. Like it was, it was like, um, it was the hardest I've ever worked for a show. And, and just like being able to say that and just like the, the satisfaction I felt like walking off of the field after that. And I was like, wow, that was hard. Um, I haven't really experienced anything like that except for D3. I'd say, I'd say D3 was probably, uh, the peak of like my performance, um, with marching band stuff so far. That was so much fun. Yeah, D three lot two years ago for me with yeah. the planets, the just the planets, and then it was the heroes show. Just mm-hmm. I just that was so so much fun. Heck I did yeah. love the heroes show. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and those favorite... were like things that I actually like really had to work on. Heck so yeah. favorite the more, drum the more would I'm probably sorry. have to be Cavies. Mm, okay. All right. I like their spin cycle. That's my favorite show. Okay. That's, it's it's such a cool what show. What year is that? I forget. I'm not I'll like I'm not like a huge DCI guy. Me either. Like, I'm not like a, yeah, I'm not like a huge DCI marching band guy. Uh I personally I like more um jazz music and uh classical as well, just playing wise. Um Same. Yeah. So you'd like Bora? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, so, uh, yeah, and it's been good. I'm really excited to see where I can take the jazz band. It'll be a good time. Oh, honestly, I'm oh, was, so hyped to see where that group of, goes uh, in like five years, dude. You're gonna do amazing. Oh, it's gonna be great. And Sullivan handed you a, a like a solid group. Like they won Gene Harris last year, so right. you're gonna like. I'm really excited for for what your program is bringing. Like it's gonna be a good. Program. Yeah, you're killing it, dude. Hey, yeah, I mean, you haven't seen anything yet, but thank you, thank you very much. No, I haven't. <laughs> um, I, ju- oh, I just, gosh. I just know based on um, how you've played in uh, in jazz band, Boise. Uh, yeah, just, State just jazz how Orchestra. you play, how you um, are just like a really your mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a really cool people person and just like really mm. fun to talk to. Thank and you. also, um, your woodworking's really dope. So, oh, thanks. Oh my <laughs> god. Thank yeah. you. Like. It's crazy. I love like seeing your batons like 
Mr. Brown has your baton, and I think Mr. Ogle has your baton. Oh, yeah, I, I just yeah, find they that. Too. Mr. Ogle ordered uh, like five for me. Oh, it's just crazy. I just, I, I love that. That's just so cool. Thank you. Thanks, man. What started um, that? Yeah. My, my grandpa's always done too. woodworking, had a really nice woodworking shop, and my dad's always mm-hmm. had a lot of tools himself. And honestly, I just like saw a couple of things I wanted to try making, and I made them. And then I realized I enjoyed it. And so I just kind of started making more and more stuff and then started selling some things. And next thing you know, I kind of like had a whole garage full of tools and like I'm making a decent little side business out of it. So, yeah, it's super cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like you made a snare drum out of a skateboard. Yes, I did do that. Is uh, is Bora using that? Or is Bori going it's, to use it's, that? It's there right now. I have my personal kit there uh-huh. mostly because I didn't want to have it in my room anymore. And oh, I was like, you know what? I have, a, I have a school. I can just shove it there and no one can tell me not to. <laughs> so, uh, it's like it's my so, room. Yeah. And I currently, that's like my drum set is set up in, in the room and I currently don't let anyone touch it. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll calm down from that a little bit. We'll see. I mean, if you have a... Um, there's been a particular family that uh, goes to um, Bora that is very good at percussion, just generally. You know the Reuser family? No. Scott Reuser? You don't know Scott Reuser? No. Really? He came in uh, for Boise, uh, for the jazz orchestra one time, and he was helping with uh, uh, Chuck Smith. Um, he has, like, he has three sons. Um, I forget the first one. Zach and Jackson and Jackson is like amazing at percussion. Mm. Um, and he, he was great our last year. Um, and I wonder what they're doing now. I'm curious what they're doing now, but if you get oh. any more Roysters, they're good percussionists, but oh, I no. think you, I think that's the last one. Dang. Unfortunately, they graduated. That's okay. I'll make them all. I'll make the rest of them really good percussionists. So don't worry. <laughs> Heck yeah. Continue the lineage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a Sullivan. Uh, um, what is it called? Destiny? No, not Destiny. Sullivan thing. You can make your own thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm really excited for your program, man. I I mean, you've got um, percussion chops, and you've got directing chops, and you've got marching chops. Um, despite what you say about like, oh, I I'm not good enough to be in DCI. That's just total bullcrap um like <laughs> you're gonna have a great program and i'm super excited um to hear what happens next year well thanks i appreciate um, it yeah i'm really excited we to do have have something normal right jeez god like right. if that happens yeah still it's possible that it won't Woo! that is true 2020 yeah i'm, I'm about there too <laughs> yeah and then by uh the the by our next podcast, but well by the time this podcast is released, we will know the uh, results of the election. So oh my gosh, um I ha- I didn't really think about that until just now. So yeah, let us be in our innocent lives. We we don't know. We are blind. We don't know anything. Spooky season. Take a moment. It realize is like season. It is how <laughs> this is. Yeah, Halloween is tomorrow. Um, well, not by the time we release this. Happy Maybe that's already. why we were having such bad luck with technology. Maybe that has something to do with it. Sure. Uh, 
That yeah, we'll say sense. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, is there anything you would like to uh, plug? Anything else you would like to add? Um, we've we've um, talked for like an hour and a half on this, and I, um, I mean, if you if there's more that you feel like we're missing, I would love to uh, dive into that. No, I feel I feel like we covered a lot. I feel good. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Is there any uh, like Instagrams you want to plug or socials or anything? Yeah, the turnip. Yeah, that's plug yeah. The if you want to check out my Instagram, <laughs> it's uh, Tenor Guy Matt. I think is what it is. Uh, and then let me, let me you, double check that. Yeah, double check that. And then I also have a, a woodworking Instagram. If you want to check that out, that's just called mm-hmm. Good Custom Woodwork. If you want to check that out. Uh, hold on a second. What is it called? Instagram. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Search, Matt. Oh my God, this takes forever. Yeah, it's Tenor Matt. Guy Matt. Tenor underscore Guy underscore Matt. Yes. Look at awesome. That. Piece of cake. Uh, and is the turnip on that one or is that it on is. something it else? It is. It is the most recent post on it's that It's the most recent. And there it is. Cool. I love this. All right, I'm gonna watch it again after this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, it was great um, having you on. Um, yeah, I'm now a little bit less ignorant in percussion, so thank you. Any <laughs> any any steps closer that I can get it, the better. <laughs> so and really, it comes down to listening, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if gosh, you, yeah. the more you listen, the better you get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's just how composition is, right? So yeah. Alrighty, thank you so much, Matt, for uh, taking your time to be here. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. It was a good time.